0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Hydrogen Power Hyundai Nexo Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew. What, Alan, is a Hydrogen Power Hyundai Nexo, then?
0: Well, it's actually a Hydrogen Power, comma, and Hyundai Nexo, or Hydrogen Power and Hyundai Nexo, but I decided I would just see if you would fall straight into the trap I left there. Uh, so the idea of this is it's going to be... Uh, relatively shortish uh, special edition um and most of it actually is going to be uh, an interview that I did um recently with Sylvie Childs who is Hyundai UK's senior product manager for Nexo uh, and hydrogen so just chatting about hydrogen vehicles and infrastructure and how they work and all that kind of fun stuff after I would chatted with Sylvie I went for a short drive of a Nexo uh, which is a fuel cell car that replaces the ix35 fuel cell that i had for a a weekend a couple of years ago you might remember we did a special edition uh, on that but first of all i started off asking sylvie why if we have internal combustion engines uh, hybrids uh, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles and electric vehicles we need hydrogen fuel cell vehicles as well I'm joined by Sylvie Childs, the product manager for Nexo at Hyundai Motor UK. Sylvie, hello. Hello. The plan for this special edition is to talk a little bit to Sylvie and get a bit of a so we can get a bit of a grasp on hydrogen power in the UK. Obviously, we'll end up talking specifically about Hyundai and specifically about the Nexo a bit later on. But I'm interested in chatting to Sylvie about. Why hydrogen vehicles are important, why they're now, how Hyundai is going about implementing them and getting hydrogen vehicles onto our road. And then later on, probably have a bit of a drive of an EXO, and maybe pop off and and try and describe the refueling process, because uh, I think that that's, that's important because there's just what's in people's minds about how you go about refueling the hydrogen is, is a bit different from the reality. But despite his best efforts, we'll be joined by Robin later on for for that. So we let's get into some of the the why really. Uh, Hyundai Motors, you have a a wide, wide range of different types of technology and in vehicles already, you know, we've got obviously there's there's internal combustion engine you've got hybrids you've got plug-in hybrids um, and you've got uh, battery electric vehicles in things like the ionic which long-term listeners to the the podcast will be will be very aware of and also you've got things like the Kona EV which I which I drove recently and, and if anybody if anybody missed that then you can go back and listen either on uh, either on your podcast player uh, or on the site to, to my recent test of a of a Kona EV where I've just waffled far away from, uh, is really a case of saying, why hydrogen as well? You've got all of this. Why do we need hydrogen too?
2: Um, We need hydrogen uh, fuel cell technology because we believe that there is not one solution fit all. So you need different types of vehicles with different technology to meet different customer uh, requirements. And we find that hydrogen fuel cell really fits in very well for um, long range Mm -hmm. traveling and people who need to have access to that range quickly. So it has a very quick refueling time, which basically made this car very attractive uh, for these kind of customers.
0: Hydrogen has been around for a while uh, and fuel cells, of course, have been around since at least the the middle of the space age uh, Mm -hmm. there with the the lunar rover and, and the lunar lander. So I'm I'm fine on the cars. I'm not so good on the spacecraft. Why now? Why is there you know there's yourselves there's there's folk at Toyota. Why why is there a, a resurgence in in fuel cell vehicles now?
2: I think the um, the hydrogen well the fuel cell technology is very relevant now because it fits in with the energy question and it fits in with the challenges around climate change and air quality. So those are the very big questions that are out there. Mm -hmm. And the task for motoring or for automotive manufacturers is to find solutions to have cars that are zero emission and produce no, um, NOx. And, um, basically, hydrogen is another solution. Hydrogen, there's plenty of hydrogen available out there. We're surrounded by hydrogen. It's a molecule that is a very friendly molecule. It just attaches itself to everything. Um, so, water obviously has a molecule of hydrogen. Uh, it's all around us, really. And uh, as you say, um, we're very familiar with it. We, in terms of using it as an energy source, It's not new. So Hyundai, we've been working on developing technology for 20 years. Uh, We've had it in small uh, vehicles, and then we developed it in bigger vehicles to show that it was safe, to show it was uh, roadworthy, And um, now we are ready to have basically in a normal car that you can see on any roads in the UK.
0: Mm -hmm. As far as the vehicle end, the technology is pretty much there, but there's, there's not... Well, it is there.
2: It is, it is there. It's completely I just, I there. to see the
0: look I got. Just <laughs> there. the technology is completely there. It
2: is totally there. Yes, <laughs> we're per- totally confident uh, in the technology. We, it's it's there. Mm-hmm.
0: So the challenge seems to be then is is around is around infrastructure. Now, any discussion of hydrogen vehicles, we end up discussing infrastructure as well. And I'm I'm really sorry because you're from the manufacturer end, not the infrastructure end. But what kind of things are going on at the moment to try and expand the number of fueling stations in the UK?
2: I think you you make a very good point. OK, we are a manufacturer um, and we are launching vehicles with a technology that is not that common today in, in cars. So we have to work with different partners. Um, so Hyundai, we work with um, UK H2 Mobility. It's a a body, a professional body um, of people who are involved in the industry. So you have suppliers of hydrogen, you have government, you have local authorities and you have manufacturers of cars. So we get together and we design, we discuss how we should progress the development. With that we input in government policies um, and we try to get the government to hear that hydrogen is fuel cell technology is one of the technologies that can help Delivering the road to zero, which was a document that the government published last year, tasking uh, manufacturers to reach zero emission by 2040 for all new car sales. So, as you can imagine, um, we're going to have to get some cars, battery electric and fuel cell, uh, on the road. So, they're basically part of the mosaic. So we need to do more work to make the infrastructure, to grow it. What's important for the infrastructure is to make sure that, yes, it is available, but it's accessible and it is uh, reliable. Mm -hmm. And um, we work with a company called ITM Power. Um, What they do is they actually install hydrogen refueling stations where they manufacture the hydrogen on site. And this can be done in partnership with Shell. So for those who are lucky enough to be in the south, southeast, you've got Cobham Services, you've got Beaconsfield Services and they're there on the forecourt. So we are getting visibility mm-hmm. and hopefully in the next 10 years we're going to ramp up the effort to get a proper national infrastructure
0: you were saying because uh, we, we've had a chat before by the way uh, the, the, you were saying that there's 12 there's 12 stations at the moment
2: that 12 stations are accessible by the public so mm-hmm. any of us uh, running a hydrogen fuel cell car we can go and turn up at the station um you do need um as per most people, you need you have a refueling card. Some people mm-hmm. have, uh, so you do need to register with the suppliers to make sure you can access the pump. Uh, but that's just a registration at, process. At, at the minute,
0: that's part of buying the car, I imagine. Absolutely,
2: well. um, absolutely.
0: You were saying earlier on that that really is going to need going to need about sixty to cover the country. To so, cover the country, but but there's that whole like di- dichotomy. Long words like marmalade. Um, there's that whole struggle between the number of vehicles for it to be worthwhile and the, and the number of stations.
2: So this is basically the almost like the magic number mm-hmm. that the UKH2 mobility uh, group has come up with to have a good national coverage as you say, uh, we are in a global economy, so hydrogen and fuel cell electric vehicles are desirable in various parts of the world. So, in essence, in the UK, we have to compete Mm -hmm. um, with areas such as California, such as China, such as Norway, um, and for us to make a case of how committed the government is or the population is to the zero emission agenda, help us build the case so we can get the cars, so we can actually support that development of the infrastructure so it really is a it, it, partnership
0: and yeah, yeah, it really it isn't I, I go into work mode now and, and start blethering about integrated systems <laughs> and how you can't have you can't have charges sitting empty without the vehicles and then you can't have vehicles without the charges so so really it has to sort of ramp up and, and grow together i think in the uk as a result of that we're probably going to see clusters of areas where where maybe hydrogen makes more sense for people and then that will hopefully expand and expand?
2: So this is a really important concept, having clusters. Uh, the idea of clusters is to focus on customers. So if you turn up at a station, if for some reason it's not accessible or it's it's not open, uh, mm-hmm. you can't get a refuel, you need to be able to quickly travel somewhere within a decent distance to get your refuel. So it is very powerful to have backup stations. And the, what we have found is when where there is backup, up station there's more people that committed to the cars and therefore the stations are more reliable so it works well together <laughs>
0: it's the choice of belt and braces because people can trust it more then you end up with braking less because it's constantly in use it's, it's the
2: exactly thing,
0: yeah. yeah i think the same happens with ev chargers as well as far as i can
2: well, the, as, far as i
0: can tell if they're ones that just sit around then they don't then they end up broken and
2: well I'm also involved with battery electric cars and the, the infrastructure is also quite a heated uh, conversation at times but the Oh boy
0: I've had it yes <laughs>
2: The, um, the infrastructure is initially for quick wins, Some charging points were installed without being thought through, so then they were not maintained, and mm-hmm. that gives customers a bad experience. So, what we're trying to do is learn from those experiences for the hydrogen. Hydrogen is a bigger scale. A station will serve hundreds of customers mm-hmm. uh, at any one time um, in, in a day. You can have that which is not, you can do that with a charging point. And that's also the interesting part of hydrogen is one station can fulfill um, the needs of more than one customer.
0: Before we talk about roughly how the mechanism works, I've got one more question. Very roughly, by the way, guys, there will be, I'm going to bump you off to a YouTube link because there's no Andrew here to ask me really difficult questions. So and I refuse to do that to, to, to Sylvie. The next question that I I often hear whenever I talk about hydrogen vehicles is about safety. And there was something to do with an airship quite a long time ago, and that has imprinted itself on on people's minds. How realistic is that scenario with with a, a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle?
2: So um, I think safety is always important for people and cars. And for us, it's a priority, clearly. And the car has been designed from the outset as a hydrogen car. So all equipment and uh, the tank and all the um, links are all set with sensors um so if there was to be any leaks they straight away the system shuts down so you can't expand um, and it is super safe i think that the best way to 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 describe the safety of the car is all cars new cars have to be tested by euro and cap um, it's an independent body and they actually purchase a car from from us and they crash it to um to test the safety of passengers and pedestrians so I would recommend you could it's not very nice footage uh, but have a look it is the highest rated car on the market Um and that is a big achievement it's very important that Safety is just not something you think about when you get into the car. It's a very normal car. You can drive it like you would drive any of the cars. Because we
0: had a chat about tanks. So there's three –
2: smallish?
0: There's three tanks <laughs> um, in the nexo. So. Uh, and, and I was asking what, what they were made of. Uh, and you're saying it's carbon fiber. But also that there's a – that they have to – the tanks themselves have to last 20 years.
2: It's legal requirement for a hydrogen tanks, so it's not just for vehicles. Hydrogen is widely used in industrial applications, so mm-hmm. it's just a requirement for hydrogen tanks, really. Yeah. They are super solid, super tight. They have to be because hydrogen is a very volatile molecule. Um, and in the case of an impact, the tank has almost like a belt where it just – Tighten itself to oh, right. contain it even further um, to, prevent more, uh, exactly, <laughs> to prevent any more exactly to prevent any any further leakage. So it's um, it's really designed to sustain anything really.
0: Yeah, there was one other number, and and I, I don't know if this is going to come up anywhere else that that, that you mentioned earlier on. You said, well, it's it's for six thousand refills, and my first first of all, I sucked through my teeth and I thought, oh, the six thousand—that doesn't seem very much. And then we did some maths, um, and 6,000 by about 300 miles, then that was one point, Was 1.8 million miles.
2: So that would be <laughs> a low figure.
0: <laughs> at the low end, by the way, we didn't take full, because the range is, is really 350 and a bit, really. It is. Um, real. of, of the next. Hour. So we took 300, assuming that you did top up every now and again, um and 1.8 million miles, figure much of the rest of the car will probably have deteriorated
2: in, in, in that kind of mileage. I don't want to think which part we'll, we'll, we'll no, go further. It's probably go be <laughs> going to be upholstery for yeah. the people who travel with children at the back, I would guess, uh, before we reach that. But the, the idea is, um, it is built for durability, it is built for, for, for safety. Um, and because... For the people who are more technically minded, the refueling of the tanks of the car in, involves uh, high pressure gas. Mm-hmm. So we use hydrogen at 700 bar. And uh, what that means is if sometimes refueling goes as low as minus 40. Um, and That's those minus
0: 40 degrees, degrees Celsius. Celsius. Is there any other way? Yeah.
2: The, the point is, is, those changes of temperatures clearly uh, do apply constraint on tanks, but they're mm-hmm. designed to be able to sustain 6,000 yeah. refuels.
0: Which is pretty impressive in itself, to be honest. The one thing I've I've shied away from so far is is talking about how the fuel cell itself works. Mm -hmm. And also how the transmission works. Okay. In as much as there's, there's a transmission. Can we quickly take two minutes to cover that? So, as far as I understand it, there is a fuel cell, which is a stack of membranes, a stack of membrane sandwiches
2: so the the fuel cell is yeah, a tini- they're doing
0: really well here.
2: <laughs> so the fuel cell, the cell is actually the device in itself, so it's okay. a tiny little unit which is made of a membrane and the cathode and the anode. Okay. Okay, so basically this is a little bit of a chemical Chemistry, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. history, or not history, history class, I mean. So what happens is there's loads of those little devices. They're stacked up. yeah, And that's why you call it a fuel cell stack. So there's loads and loads of those little devices. And what those little devices are designed to do is to take oxygen, Mm -hmm. which is sucked into the car through the vents at the front and extracted from the air, basically. And then the hydrogen that comes from the back of the car where the tanks are. So the oxygen and the hydrogen enter the little devices, if you want. And as they get together, then the charge, the negative charge, goes through the membrane, and the positive stays on one side. And that gives us a... The electricity, so you create a current, Mm -hmm. and the current, the electricity that's created, goes to the electric motor, and that operates the wheels, and this is how you propel the the car.
0: And you can put many of these devices together, and that is the... the What's called the stack? Yeah. The
2: stack, yes. So, and basically, the stack allows the Nexo to produce its own electricity. And that's the difference between the battery electric car and a fuel cell electric car is the electricity produ- production is within the car for fuel cell and it's outside the car with the battery electric. car. you've electrical. got
0: your own little power station. So you've going got your
2: little there. power station. Absolutely. And the only byproduct
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, you get is water. So as you drive, you've got vapor coming out at the rear of the car, uh-huh. or you can have a little bit of water that drips underneath as well uh, when you stop.
0: Just like when you stop, the air conditioning compressor exactly lets it lets it drip down. Cool. And there's a there's a small battery as well. Now you gave a number earlier on that. So
2: yes, yeah, so at the back there is a high voltage battery, but it's small, relatively speaking, small. It's mm-hmm. one point fifty six kilowatt hour, and um, what it does, it provides that boosting power.
0: Just quickly, one point five six kilowatt hour. How does that compare to the size of the battery in the Kona EV I had the other week?
2: So, do you, did, did you have the sixty four?
0: Sixty four. You see, there you go. So it's, there you it's, go. That's pretty much answered. Yeah, it's about fiftieth so, of the size. So it, it's a. So whilst there's a battery there to sort of do and um, there's. <laughs> of a size, about a meter by about ten centimetres, judging by the, the, the arm movements. It's a joy of audio, you know. <laughs> uh, so it, it's there, it's it's relatively compact, and it's there to to kind of smooth out flow and give a boost when when you need a bit more energy and also to recoup energy by I've forgotten regen. the word now. Regeneration, thank you. It's and I like the paddle motion. You can tell you're used to a used to a Hyundai the paddles to work the regen there. So, yeah, so so it can also – you're not always running the fuel cell. You use it to top up the battery a little bit.
2: Um, so you're always using the fuel cell. The stack is your main source of energy uh-huh. and electricity. And then the um, – and then – the battery gives that boost, so mm-hmm. it's extra power. So,
0: so it does always run? So the, I didn't, yes. Oh, I didn't think yes, it was always it running. I it thought does. it switched
2: itself on and off. No, it always runs, and, and the battery boosts for acceleration or going uphill, and then the battery just goes idle when mm-hmm. you are cruising. If you were to go downhill and you use your regen, then the, that will replenish the battery. Cool.
0: Okay. And right. if the
2: battery is running low, the stack will also replenish the battery.
0: battery. I didn't realize that. Thank you for clearing that one. That's okay. Which leaves one last thing, and that's a little bit about, about Nexo. I'm going to go drive it shortly. Why was it decided to make Nexo its own vehicle? Why isn't there a sort of fuel cell Kona or a fuel cell Ionic? Um to you know, give the full the full range in, in,
2: in one. In the, to have all different technologies in yeah. all vehicles. That's the dream, really. It, uh, it is, I think yeah. it is the dream. I think for Nexo, we have been working for twenty years on the fuel cell technology, and we the previous generation was a, an SUV, the IX thirty five, and we, in many words, cram in the um, fuel cell stack and the tank in a combustion engine car. So we realized that we could have much better efficiencies and much better cabin space and boot space by having a vehicle designed in the outset as a fuel cell car. Choosing Nexo rather than any other cars, um, it's a size. So it's a family size SUV. Mm -hmm. It is the most popular type of car in demand anywhere in the world in all the various markets so it makes sense to have something that people want as a car regardless if it's going to be combustion engine battery electric people can relate to it
0: if if it's you know if it's uh, a luxury saloon for example then people would would sort of dismiss it Mostly out of hand.
2: Maybe what you're trying to say is the the design of Nexo, so that we were talking about the technicalities in terms of space and architecture for the systems. But what what we find at Hyundai is the cars that are the most successful are the cars that they mix in very well with mm-hmm. other cars. Um, they don't shout out, "I have an alternative powertrain." So this yes. is really important because adopting a new technology can be tricky for mm-hmm. people. For for us. Um, and having a car that we think is good-looking or attractive, uh, regardless of its powertrain, is, I think, the way to get a, a bigger adoption. And I think Nexo falls into that. You can drive a Nexo and some people won't notice you, even though it's got some nice cues and designs. Yeah, that
0: d- d- there's a hint of the future there. There's
2: a hint of the future, but it's not out there, I think.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm going to go drive it shortly. But in the meantime, Sylvie, thank you so much for your help and your time today. It's really appreciated.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: We've heard Sylvie and I talk about the Nexo. Do you want to find out how it was whenever I drove it?
1: I think perhaps we should. It would be rude not to at this point.
0: Well, thank you very much. That's that's not like it. So the Nexo, quick description, I guess, of what the Nexo is. It is a a sort of D-segment SUV. So it's sort of RAV4, RAV4 RAV4-size you know, a bit bigger than a uh, than a cash guy. Okay, uh, just to give you an idea of of size and what we're we're talking about here. Uh, let's start as as usual. Well, uh, as as we tend to do. Let's start with the exterior. It's quite a handsome thing. I mean, this is this is a technological flagship for Hyundai, but it doesn't really shout technology from the top of its voice. It is far more far more quiet about it, and it and and it it's really quite modern. So it's it's aiming for modern. It's aiming for, it's kind of handsome, but it's not really jump out at you. you no,
1: know, it it seems quite uh, subtle. Subtle isn't quite the right word. I also want. To, I don't want. I was going to say conservative with a small c, and that's not quite right description either. But it's it's more, it's more understated in a you know a, a more long term. How it's gonna, it's still going to look good in quite a few years. Yeah. it's not going to age quickly is what I think I'm yes, trying to Exactly tell. that's
0: just what I was gonna say. It's it's not really gonna date. We're doing really well tonight. Uh it's not really going to date particularly quickly. It is it, it has neat details. It's sort of uh it's not covered in lots of creases and flashes and all that kind of stuff. Um it is an SUV it's really been designed to be honest from an aero point of view with the detailing on on top of that. So I'm trying to get you know as 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 great an efficiency as you possibly can. From that sort of two-box, quite upright shape, well, I
1: find that hard to believe because it doesn't have the look of melted soap that everybody else seems to feel the need to do. No,
0: and it doesn't, and that's 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 to its credit. <laughs> the detailing is really pretty neat. Yes, that that that's a compliment, to everyone. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It, it's got a kind of floating roof. It's got quite a large glass house, uh, a daylight opening. So yeah, so it is. It's quite balanced. It's not sort of super aggressive or anything like that. It is, it is quite a, uh, oh, the whole thing. I, I don't want to sound like I'm spouting Hyundai's press release, but I'm probably going to. The whole thing is, is designed to be as calming and relaxing as possible. So there's no sharp angles. There's nothing that's aggressive in there. In fact, the most pretentious line for a press release about a car. The, the, something that I've noticed uh, for 2019 uh, is a description of the daylight running lights, uh, which we often find are a way of signaling that you really want people out of your way. And here it describes it as the line of light is inspired by the light above the horizon at dawn and integrates neatly with the signature cascading grille. So yeah, they're like the light of dawn. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you an idea of the, the feeling of aggression that you'll get from, from looking at a at an will
1: I tell you what it reminds me of, actually, is it's a very
0: what we used to think of as a very Germanic look. A given yes. Yes it is, actually. You're quite right.
1: Not what we not what we get now, but You mean before they
0: discovered the sharp <laughs> crease. It is it is yes. you're quite right. It's, it's quite a good point. It is far more Mark I ODTT than it is most yeah. other things. That's a real. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. One thing which I thought was particularly cool is that it does have flush door handles. I know you can get that on American vehicles beginning with T, and on and on some Land Rovers and all these kind of things. But at least these ones will keep on working. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? What did I say? Um But they are they are really quite cool. It was just quite nice as you walk up to it, then zzz, out, out come the the, the door handles, uh, and then whenever you speed up and you drive away, then it, it they go click in. Above about three kilometres an hour, according to the press release here, you'd take someone's eye out with them well, otherwise. Maybe um, the you can get five different colours. Uh, there's no none of them are a cost option, but you get white cream. You can imagine what colour that is. Cocoon silver, copper metallic,
1: <laughs> cocoon silver. Is that is that the <laughs> film
0: or an actual cocoon? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to get so lynched. Right. Uh, Kalf-Mittai, titanium gray and dusk blue. Now, all of these, uh, paints have been formulated to be particularly low emission. Okay. So they don't have, uh, so they have okay. a lower amount of solvents. Uh, they'll all be water based for a start than is traditional. Okay, and you'll find that with lots – there's lots of little details, particularly when we come to the interior, where stuff has been actually made in a different way or made using different materials, because it's not just about having an eco-drivetrain. It's about having the whole vehicle having less of an impact uh, on the environment. So
1: this – when you're talking about a te- technological flagship for Hyundai, you're talking about processes, you're talking about the sort of ideas behind – what they, what materials they use, where they use mm-hmm. them, why they use them, and that sort of stuff as well. Then, so
0: yeah, I mean that's a that's a good point. That's that's a a good point. And that brings us on to some of the stuff about the uh, the 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 interior. Lots of the interior it uses certified biomaterials in inverted commas, as I quote from here, uh, and they've been certified by people called Underwriters Laboratories. I don't really know much about them either, so I have to go and trust on this. But that's for all the different uh surfaces within the car so there is vegan leather and i can't call it pleather because it's obviously not just normal it's not vinyl because that would be really bad uh and the textile on the
1: it's it's leather that agreed to be on the seat is what yes it is.
0: or it's or it's or it's made from recycled materials <laughs> um yes recycled materials please it's not leather no. that agreed i'm just i'm i am poking I know, fun and i'm, and I'm ignoring sorry. you <laughs> Any of the, the fabric again it is made of uh fibers that came from, from from cane sugar uh instead of using any uh instead of using polythene or any of the other anything that's, that's non-renewable. Uh similarly the headliners, the floor mats, all of those kind of areas are made of essentially biomaterials, uh renewable biomaterials. 15% of the materials on the inside are these eco-materials. And that, in turn, actually has improved the sort of CO two emissions in the manufacturing of an EXO by about twenty percent.
1: That's interesting.
0: So, pretty serious stuff. Because what what will also be interesting as well is if they can,
1: it, during this transition period between the public's realization on changes are required mm-hmm. and them actually coming in to be how people react to the interiors of their cars changing, because because they, they will. It will be interesting to see if there is much of a difference between the touch, the feel, and how long these things last.
0: Well, this is one of these things where, um unless you were told all these things, you wouldn't really know. You would just go, wow, this is really light. It's sort of cream and beige. And th- there is a blue option, but we're not getting it in the UK in, in right-hand drive. It's also cream and beige. And, and and this is all very, you know, it's very light. and It's a massive, massive sunroof. And decent sized DLO, so it's so light inside. It is like, it's the absolute opposite of of many of many SUVs. I mean, we drove. I mean, I, I talked about the Peugeot three thousand and eight relatively recently, and it's great and it's nice, but it's quite dark in there. Absolutely, the opposite. You you feel it is very calm. It's very light. There's absolutely zero aggression anywhere in this, okay. which is great and it worked. I mean, it was a. Bleeding miserable day, uh, I drove about half the drive was on the, well, that's relevant later on as well. About half the drive was on the M40, which is quite a sort of cut and thrust bit of motorway down near on That bit at M&M. said, so not just that, but I was, of course, driving a press car with a PR sink beside me. So, there, you know, but it was really chilled and it just, it just lined you up for that. Uh, there's plenty of space in it. I said that it feels particularly roomy from the, the drivers. Uh, the driver's seat and that's helped by the fact that everything is so horizontal so you've got that quite a long console that comes down beside you and it seems at first glance to have many 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 buttons a hugely unfashionable number of buttons
1: it's in the pictures comes across as
0: very un end I like it is a little bit yeah I know why you're saying that I understand why you're saying that. Cause, cause,
1: you know, from the from the exposure we've had to the high end eyes that you know everything is exactly where you expect it to be without looking type stuff, and then that just seemed a lot of a lot of things. So how how was it to use in your
0: brief time with it? It was actually really good to use in my brief time with it, uh, and the reason being that everything is grouped in sensible groups. So there's different sort of uh-huh, strips good. across. The dash uh, across the dashboard, uh, depending on what it is and how likely you are to need to use it. One area deals with the entertainment. There's a sort of iDrive type knob, which which deals with any of the stuff on the big uh, 12.1 inch or something screen that's right in the middle, and that helps you. uh, And that helps with that stuff. The all the HVAC controls are are sort of in the middle uh, of it, and then there's the. It really goes. It goes big screen. Air vents, the uh, next one down are the controls for the stereo. And really, when you look at it, there's only sort of eight buttons and two knobs there. Uh, and then there's the okay. HVAC controls and the controls for the Heaty seats and the Heaty steering wheel and the coolie seats and all that kind of stuff. Again, so you press it occasionally and you don't, you just leave it most of the time. And then the next bit down is a kind of iDrive-y type controller on the right-hand side. Uh, for working the screen
1: mm-hmm.
0: and some of the other auxiliary stuff, like the auto parking that I'll talk about in a bit uh, and some of these kind of things. And then on the left hand side is, is actually a little panel, uh, just like, uh, which isn't dissimilar to an Ionic EV for choosing your mm-hmm. gears. And then there's the electric handbrake and this sort of auto hold buttons. And that's it. You, be it looks like lots of buttons, but whenever you're actually sitting there, it, it isn't.
1: So it's more that it's a different style of interior as in there is mm. that, that uh that it it melds down from the top yeah. of the dash diagonally towards you sort of thing, rather than almost vertical and then coming along. That that's exactly
0: it. It's mostly that but kind of the, the, the sort of the flat and the, the, the vertical and the horizontal have just been kind of pulled into one. Um have to been pulled into mm-hmm. ones of hypotenuse down the middle. And that means there's a big uh, there's a big storage area underneath. So just like in the Kona EV or the Ionic EV, the storage underneath that central area, so the space really isn't wasted. Again, stuff like a two spoke steering wheel, things like that, just add to that concept car feel. Mm-hmm. And and the sort of pale silver that everything is and it all matches, which doesn't isn't always a a given, really. It's pretty funky like that. And the cool perforations on the seat cushions as well, by the way, are not consistent across. It's not just a wide piece of whatever material, and it's just been going through a massive uh, machine to just make it the same right the way across. It sort of fades in from the sides uh, and fades out as well. So, again, it really just adds to that concept car feel.
1: Yeah, because you wouldn't expect that in the mass-produced.
0: No, no, no. You wouldn't expect it in an i30. Uh, You wouldn't expect it in the I-30. But, yeah, really, really funky. uh, uh, The interior is particularly nice. There seemed to be plenty of space in the back. All the seats had heating. I can't remember if it were cooled in the back. And the other thing is that the boot is kind of traditional uh, boot size. So on the iX35, the boot was a good uh, two to three, maybe two inches shallower. It sort of went in, and then there was this big bump up. And that was because there was a single big tank underneath that had been squished into the the otherwise petrol or diesel-powered small SUV. And this time, it's actually got three mm-hmm. much smaller tanks, which is good from a cost of production point of view yeah, and also a packaging point of view. It's a little bit more sophisticated to sort of link them all up. But needless to say, they're surprised they've managed it. But that means that they, they it of course takes up far less space height wise because they've got three small sort of almost cylindrical tanks as I'm, as, as you heard in the chat with Sylvie. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else I have missed? Not really. Not really. So really that concept carness is the big deal in here, you know, and, and okay. whilst, um, and whilst this uh, production of the Nexo isn't huge, it is still a production vehicle okay, it is it is built on a proper production line and production way, it's it's, it's available. You can walk to to your local Hyundai dealer and it, it, in theory, you can walk in and say, hello, I'd like to order a Nexo, please. In theory, they should then be able to help you. They might have to defer you slightly to a specialist, but they should be able to to at least get you started on the road to ending up with an Nexo, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The one thing I haven't mentioned so far, and I probably should have done because it's quite fundamental to the interior, is that the Nexo is available in right-hand drive. The IX 35 never was. It's why you only saw a very limited number in the UK. I did see two in the wild in in Oslo one a taxi and one a a sort of municipal sort of vehicle. It was in a sort of livery, it was all liveried up. So I have seen them in the wild, just like you see uh, Mirai in the wild as well. One thing I haven't really talked about is that the target for uh, Nexo really is into some of those kind of fleets that specialise in sort of low emission. Uh, low emissions sort of limousine type setups, uh, which you do find in London. So there are f- a few like Green Tomato Cars, for example, do run a couple of Mirai uh, there. Uh, and it's really the idea would be to get into some of those those fleets at this point because they're with uh, the, the range, uh, which we'll talk about in just a sec. We're about to talk about driving next. Uh, then there is plenty of range for a whole day's load of work, and then five minutes to to, to top up again, at either the end or the start of the day, uh, and you're good to go. Mm. Range, by the way, WLTP figures are about 414 miles. Realistically, you're looking about 350 to 370. Okay, which isn't well, it's bad. not bad at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's on par with kind of most petrol cars, I guess, and some of the diesels with the smaller smaller tanks. Hmm. The tank takes... So it's like a sports car, then? Something you know. like that. The, the oh, driving. Driving you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, after everything. I've told you about how ultimately, uh, how incredibly unaggressive it is, inspired by the real <laughs> sun, uh, sunrise, etc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nürburgring lap times are on the way. No, it is completely the opposite. <laughs> it is quite a heavy car, which is great, because that really helps the ride without hmm. making it feel wobbly or unstable, because... Uh, the Nexo is on its own platform, so all the techs, so the batteries, the fuel cell, and everything are mounted really quite low, you know, mounted under the cabin. So all the weight is low down, so it, it has a, a good influence on on the ride uh, comfort, uh, without meaning that when you pitch into a, a corner that the, the that it's, it's all wobbly because the centre of balance is uh, centre of gravity is nice and low in there. So. Again, it's not a vehicle you'd really want to drive much more than 7 tenths. You could hustle it along in the same way as you can hustle many electric cars along uh, and many SUVs along, mm-hmm. uh, but you probably wouldn't really enjoy it, and it probably wouldn't really enjoy it. So a maximum of about 7 tenths, it's really an incredibly comfortable, quiet limo. When you're driving a fuel cell, it's not really any different from driving from driving a battery electric vehicle there is maybe a small hum in the background as it's sort of onboard onboard power station kicks in and kicks out. Super chilled. If you were doing a an otherwise stressful commute every day, then this would be one of the best ways to iron it out and make it near, near nothing. It's not particularly quick I and mean, not to 62 in 9.2 seconds. It's 163 metric horsepower. Um, but again, it doesn't really matter. 111 mile an hour top speed, which you'll probably never be doing. Yeah. One of the curious things about this as you drive along is that it has a super fine particle filter. So in theory, if you drive about 100 kilometers, it will clean up the equivalent of two, it says diesel vehicles. So I don't know whose diesel vehicles, what age of diesel vehicle, what specification of diesel vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> All the stuff says it, it'll be it's the equivalent of like undoing two diesel vehicles covering the same thing, covering the same mileage in the same time, and that kind of stuff. So,
1: so you can feel smug and
0: satisfied. You can, driving. you can, but not for. Well, come on, Saab used to boast. Saab used to boast the same thing about their petrol cars, mate. So let's not get too. Uh, let, you, you are not in a position uh, to get too too smug about that.
1: Oh, I'm crying at the four hundred and. Fourteen mile range. <laughs> you yeah, do not have to say anything to me. <laughs> that was
0: four, uh, no, that was uh, four hundred. W L T P is four hundred. Oh yeah, and I was saying, and I was saying three fifty, three seventy. Yeah, me too. That's another. It's a good hundred miles further than I get in mine. I tell you. Yeah.
1: Yes, quite.
0: <laughs> and given the cost, by the way, of hydrogen at the pump at the minute, before the government gets his grubby fingers on it, although you buy hydrogen in terms of weight. Really per mile, it's about the similar cost as running on uh, premium fuel. So in theory, it's about the same cost running wise as, 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 as a, a performance car like mine should be about the same. Mm-hmm. Crazy, huh? Uh, one of the reasons, by the way, it has its own. I think I've already said it has its own platform so that everything can be actually optimized within the platform and it can be used as a showcase for the new tech, for some of this, some of this renewables, mm. uh, stuff on the interior and in the, and in the manufacturing process, uh, rather than just squidging the powertrain into, um, rather than just squidging the powertrain into an existing, existing platform and body style, which is what they'd done before. Mm. Um, and it was just a case of the, the, IX35 was very much more a proof of concept. Uh, and this really is that second generation. And to be honest, in the driving, there is a huge step up. I mean, that you can't really compare the two vehicles other than they are SUVs that aren't particularly big that have, uh, hydrogen, uh, from Hyundai, which had hydrogen fuel cells. Well, that's as much as you can say that they're limited. <laughs> the IX35 was very much just like a car, but it was very much a normal car with that drivetrain. The uh, Nexa feels like something very, very different. Okay. There's a bunch of tech that's in there. Uh, it's the first, first Hyundai to offer what's listed and written here in the, the press release: is autonomous driving technology, uh, in as much as it will do remote smart parking assist. So, in theory, allow it to to drive itself in or out of a parking space without someone being in the car.
1: Check your insurance policy before. Yeah,
0: just, just well, BMW has a similar has a similar has a similar setup. So it's a case of being able, it will it will make sure it finds the middle of the space and then try not to crash into the end of the space when you put it in or out. And that's there and that's standard. It also has something quite cool, which is a blind spot view monitor. So we're all sort of um, aware of blind spot warnings where you get a little orange light normally somewhere on or around your rear view mirror. When you indicate to change lanes on the next event, the, the central sort of instrument cluster screen, it changes and it will show you the view from a camera mounted in or around. I'm not quite sure exactly where now uh the the rear view, the wing mirror on that side of the car to give you a view right down the side of the vehicle so that you can be sure that there are no bicycles and there's nothing, there's nobody hiding in a blind spot. Um, it doesn't show it in the door or any of these places. It shows it uh, in the instrument binnacle. You still have physical rear view mirrors as well. It's an augmentation to that. And you know what? In the peeing rain when there were loads of droplets on the rear view mirrors and stuff, the camera managed to stay nice and clean and clear and it was it was actually a real help on a busy M40. Okay. That all tags into surround view monitor. Uh, there's also all the sort of let's not crash it tech that you would expect um, in Hyundai smart sense. Uh, so you got forward collision avoidance <laughs> assist with pedestrian detection, lane keeping assist, high beam assist with static low beam assist. I don't know what I mean? Uh, driver attention warning, blind spot collision warning, and optional rear traffic collision warning, rear cross traffic collision warning. I think I've discussed just all those. link keeping high beam and driver attention warning as well, which is when it thinks that I'm not holding the steering wheel, but I am. Okay. So loads of that sort of normal tech in there, uh, plus a few sort of new clever things on um, which this is a good platform to mm-hmm. to, to, to try all that and try it out. So, verdict? Big challenge for hydrogen vehicles is obviously infrastructure, as as discussed mm-hmm. with with Sylvie. I know that maybe some of the EV people don't understand the point of hydrogen. Uh, I think they have a place. Yeah. Um, I think we're definitely EVs in, in cities and towns. I mean, I would love to say that this was a brilliant way of getting around cities and being chauffeured around cities. It's fine at the minute. It's better than uh, it's. It's definitely better than, than than even plug-in hybrids. But depending on the range you're driving, I don't understand how it'd be better than an EV. But over longer distances, you've yeah. got that long range. You've got the five minutes to refill. We went out to the uh, Shell station at the services at the bottom of the M1. The name of which always escapes me. Begins with B and. You know, when when I borrowed the iX35, then, then I, to fill up, there was a small canopy over the unit on the outskirts of Heathrow, which was just like something on an industrial estate where you had to kind of shoo the taxis out of the way so you could get into it. And then here we were at a motorway service station. There was another pump that looked not that different, maybe a little bit smarter than an LPG pump. Where you could just plug it in and fill in, and instead of being an industrial push on, twist round, pull back setup, it was just like a sort of more secure petrol pump. Even in the last couple of years, is is far less uh, specialised doing it than, than anything else. And you plug it in, you tap your card, away you go. It does it stuff and it takes five minutes.
1: There's now more manufacturers getting on board and joining up with uh, the likes of Hyundai and Toyota,
0: and they're really leading it.
1: Yeah, uh, the the. They're going to be offering more options, which will then make it more attractive mm-hmm. to consumers, which then means there is more demand for the infrastructure, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, et cetera,
0: I'm having a mental blank right now as to who it is that i pair paired up with, and I'm sure I'll get told off for this. BMW? It is. You see, BMW in my mind. So, whenever you get a, whenever you know, BMW look to, to release a, a hydrogen car, it will be essentially the, the tech that's in the Nexo so that will appear in that production vehicle. You know, it, it it's that far ahead. The one thing I haven't mentioned so far is price. There are no particular options available. It will cost you £65,995. In fact, there's a bit of a rebate on that because it's normally a bit closer to 70000 So it's not cheap. Ouch. But it does actually feel like a luxury car. It does actually feel like maybe not a £66,000 car. But I've driven... Less luxurious 40 odd thousand pound cars and 50,000 pound cars. So, you know what? I don't feel that that's ridiculous. The big killer is having the infrastructure. If you've got the infrastructure near you and you, all you, you, the places that you need to go, then you could live with one of these. Absolutely could. It would be, it would be definitely something, um, you know, it'd be a good way of keeping up with the Musks anyway. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. I enjoyed its novelty. I enjoyed it, how much it felt like that concept car. That uh, You can't discount that novelty for me. Cool. Anyway, all that really remains is for me to say thanks to Robin and Sylvie from Hyundai um, for putting up with me for a morning and giving me lunch and coffee and stuff and a notebook. Always a sucker for a nice notebook and pen. That's
1: the, that's the Jalopnik. Uh- yeah.
0: Yeah. Full disclosure, I drove myself. <laughs> I drove myself to Hyundai UK's, uh, UK's offices and was given coffee. I think I was given a biscuit and, and lunch and a short drive in this. So yeah, yeah. No, seriously, thanks folks. Uh, it really was appreciated, uh, you guys giving up your time, um, to, to help. Anyhow, don't forget that between now and the next time, uh, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts of the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew, what's the best way for folk to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch
1: with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people want to talk to you more about hydrogen, infrastructure, and possibly even the Nexo, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Best way, as ever, is Twitter. Where I am at AJP Bradley. B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. I say we'll be back before very long, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.